0: Hey, Mark. Good to see you.
1: Hello, Miriam. Great to see you, too.
0: Well, Mark, today I'm looking forward to talking to Alex Kotran about what we should be doing to ensure we have more AI education for our K-12 through students.
1: I'm really excited, too, Miriam. I think that education is is already and is going to be one of the most important aspects of this coming AI future, both educating uh, makers of AI to uh, help understand the issues that AI raises, uh, but also educating the broader public to understand what AI is and and figure out what it means to them.
0: Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if we don't uh, include more of our students in this AI education, uh, we're not going to be prepared. Our society, our economy, all aspects will suffer and will have increasing disparity. So I'm excited to hear about some of the headway he's made and some of his strategies to address that.
1: Me too. Let's, uh, let, let's hear what he has to say.
0: Today on our podcast, we are so pleased to be joined by Alex Cotran. Alex is founder and president of the AI Education Project. Prior to that, he helped launch the Future Society, an AI governance think tank, spun out of the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. He has had several partnerships and roles that we're excited to talk to him about today, including partnerships with the World Government Summit in Dubai, Microsoft, Google, and and many other of the key players. Prior to his time in social impact and nonprofit, Alex managed brands and policy communications for companies and was a field organizer in Columbus, Ohio for the Obama campaign and ended up serving at HHS for Secretary Sylvia Burwell. Alex, thank you for joining us today. We are so excited to talk with you. And one thing I'm curious about is you have created great organizations. I'm wondering what inspired you to care about AI and AI education in the first place, to the extent that you were inspired to create these new organizations?
2: Yeah, thanks Miriam, thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, I think I think I was following artificial intelligence um, relatively early on, but mostly with sort of just a curiosity, um, and the same curiosity I think that led me to, to read more about big data when, when I was in, when in college everybody really was focused on big data as the next big thing um, and that evolved into artificial intelligence um, but I was always curious about it and it was something that especially after I left the administration um, you know I worked for companies like oracle and airbnb and across the board you know a common thread was artificial intelligence the technology this company a technology that these companies were were deploying um, in increasingly sophisticated ways um, and which led me ultimately to Supporting the Future Society, which was, um, you know, sort of my first real foray into the space. Um, and as part of that, I just attended so many of these really big conferences and discussions about artificial intelligence. It was being talked about as the new electricity and the harboring of the next industrial revolution. And there were these really big statements being made. And I felt like, you know, coming from Ohio, I, I felt like people outside of Technology hubs really weren't focused on the technology as much as perhaps they should be, and so that led to this project of you know how how are people learning about you know what Google is calling the new electricity you know what what are the ways that people get access to this you know what may end up being fundamental knowledge in the same way that you know the internet and computers are fundamental to our lives today.
0: And what has your experience back in Ohio led you to better understand about how we need to better educate and cultivate our society to be prepared for AI?
2: So, I mean, that's almost like the million dollar question is how are people learning about this technology? Like, what, what are the different ways that people learn about anything? And, you know, I think for artificial intelligence, if you're, I mean, whether or not you're in Ohio, if you're not in a technology field, or if you don't live in San Francisco or, or Massachusetts or Boston um, or New York maybe you you probably don't really read about artificial intelligence. It's not a, something that people just naturally uh, go on the internet to like learn more about unless there's something that prompts them um, and so for most people, I think their interaction with artificial intelligence is primarily through pop culture um, and you know I think lately it's been mostly negative depictions um, of you know super intelligent uh, you know artificial and artificially intelligent beings that exert control over people and that actually is an interesting thread of philosophical discussion that some really uh, you know smart people are thinking about and working on but you know for most people the way they'll be impacted by AI and people in Ohio as well is through drop job chain transformation um, AI is you know even rudimentary algorithms that aren't technically artificial intelligence uh, algorithms that machine learning and artificial intelligence are going to replace most jobs in the United States globally um, we talk about the stats a lot, but it's, it's actually not something that's really being addressed. And so you know, I think for people you know, outside of any technology hub, there's just this risk that they just don't learn about how impactful and profound this is gonna be until too late. Um, and so the question for me was, you know, how do we make sure that they have as much information as I do? Um, because I feel like I can make some pretty smart decisions about you know, what I, how I position my career and how I might counsel my family or my kids. Um, and I wondered if that was the case for everybody. And we did some research and found that it, in fact, it is it.
0: And so what does the AI Education Project do to support that effort?
2: Yeah, so, you know, the AI EDU was really founded um, after we did this landscape analysis of how are Americans learning about artificial intelligence? And we started with high schools. And, and, and I should say, we raised some money from Booz Allen Hamilton and Postmates with this just like completely just a big question of like, how are people learning about this? We want to go and actually make this sort of a like catalog. Of all the different efforts that are out there. Um, you know, there are places in, around the world, like in Finland, that have something called elements of AI that every single citizen can take. Um, and it is a basics, you know, an AI 101. Like what is the technology? How does it impact you as a, as a citizen? What are the considerations that you should be aware of, um, ethical and otherwise? Um, there isn't anything like that in the US. Um, it certainly wasn't uh, when we started this, this research two years ago. Um, but really, the, the alarm bells went off when we started looking at high schools to understand, well, how are high schools talking about the future of work or, or workforce readiness, broadly speaking? Um, and we, we suspected they weren't really talking in a sophisticated way about AI, but we kind of assumed that they were talking about, let's say, automation. Um, as it turns out, most high schools are not talking about automation or, or really workforce transformation in any kind of consistent way. There isn't standardized curricula for talking about the future of work. Um, there are a lot of conferences about the future of work but but those are attended by people who kind of already know what the future of work may entail um for the future workers like they're not being taught anything and so um kind of in the midst of this research we we pivoted and decided well we should just build um the most broadly accessible curriculum possible that could actually get into high schools and and essentially fill those sort of career preparedness classes that we know every high school has in some flavor um and so that's what we did we built this curricula um, and I, I, I just say, we i, I have two co founders, one of whom is um, a woman in, in Tampa who actually spent 10 years in K 12 education, Title I schools, and, and was getting her PhD in um, sort of instructional design and technology. So but she built the curriculum. I had the idea. Um, and uh, we started rolling this out in the middle of the pandemic um, in an online format, and it just took off. And the teachers were really excited by it. The students were even more excited. Um, as it turns out, everybody, Kind of innately knows that something is changing that technology is is changing and it's happening in ways that are in some ways imperceptible but intuitively we all use technology like we all use you know, TikTok and and um siri and amazon and understand that there's um you know there's predictions being made and these things are happening so um so yeah i mean i think like the Surprisingly or not, people were very excited by it, and something that we have been kind of like running with ever since. We're at 6,500 students across six states, um, which is still very small. But uh, you know, we think we're on pace to hit easily 100,000 students within the next 12 to 18 months. And um, you know, there is no reason structurally that we can't reach half of every student in the United States um, within the next five years um, because we don't need to train
1: teachers to to implement this. That's fantastic, um, Alex. Those numbers are really impressive, and um, I guess maybe you can just help us kind of um, illustrate what you're responding to in the need a little bit more. Maybe you could tell us about um, a story that stood out uh, recently that's kind of shocked you and kind of underscored um, kind of why this education is so important.
2: Mm. I mean, I, it's worth just like list, you know, like pointing out this the Oxford study, like. And I guess in my circles, it's, everybody's heard of it. The, you know, the stat 47% of jobs are at risk of automation in the next few decades. Um, But I think, first of all, not everybody's heard that stat. And there's many other studies with similar, you know, similarly big stats um, about the scope and the scale of workforce transformation. But if you really stop and think like this isn't over the next 50 years, this is over the next, you know, 10 to 20 years uh, or 10 to 30 years. And what that really means is that unless we're going to deal with basically abject, crushing unemployment and societal dislocation, there's going to have to be a profound, like, like literal transformation in the way that we teach students and prepare students and put them on pathways. And I, I just think that when you consider the scope of that challenge and look at what's actually being done, it's there's such a big delta there. Um, and for all of the energy and the money that's going into talking about artificial intelligence, it seems to gravitate into a very concentrated like slice of the conversation, which is about some of the exciting things that technology can do and very sort of enterprise and, and business focused. Um, and, and, and in some cases, over, overtly long-term considerations. Um, but uh, there's just, and, and, and the other thing I should say is, we know that those jobs are not equitably distributed. So the people who are in jobs that are most likely to be automated are are people of color. They are people who are in low-income communities or in rural communities. It's also like sort of an urban-rural divide as well. Um, And so when you consider that layer, this sort of equity layer, it becomes not just profound and and sort of mind-boggling, but also, I think, extremely uh, urgent.
0: It's so true. And um, it's So exciting to hear about the work that you're doing. While so many people are lamenting it, you're actually stepping in and trying to have impact in this space. Uh, I think it's also exciting that you've said that your students are responding so well to the curriculum. I mean, it's one thing for us to think about engaging students and wanting them to be involved in future of work-ready skills and prepare for an AI future. But it sounds like uh, not only are you offering a curriculum, but that they're engaging in it and appreciating it. Uh, What do you think it is about the curriculum? How are you connecting with them in a way that's making it enjoyable and meaningful for them?
2: So I think the credit in part is to artificial intelligence itself. I mean, the technology is unique in that it can be applied across almost every single vertical in the economy. So we don't actually start the conversation with, You should become an AI scientist because AI is the way of the future, and work backwards from there. We say, you know, what are you interested in as a student? And um, whatever the answer to that question is, you know, we think that technology and and probably artificial intelligence is going to have some role in helping you do that thing, and we help you imagine it, um, imagine what that actually is. And and I think because it's because students are really put in the position of thinking about how AI could be used. In the domain that they're already interested in, um, it lowers the barrier to them kind of engaging with us. And we, I mean, I think p- part of why we, we've been successful is because we we don't presuppose that you have to be interested in STEM to be interested in artificial intelligence. And some of the most, I think, some of the students who have leaned in the most and been the most outspoken are those in the humanities and the arts. And we've had, you know, one student wanted to become a Hollywood producer, and you know, and then she learned about all the different ways that AI is actually being used. By companies like netflix to optimize the specific plot lines of different shows and actually tailor it to their audiences um and and then she basically had created this pitch about how she wanted to use ai in the next movie and sometime after and i don't know <laughs> i don't know if she was influenced by this or not but a few weeks after she had submitted the project um a large hollywood studio announced that they were going to be using an ai um uh in one of their future films and so the, the, these kids are coming up with a lot of ideas that end up actually proving to be, you know, real world implementations.
1: That's really interesting, Alex. And in a sense, those stories mirror your own, um, you know, your background is, is not in coding or technology. You came from the world of, of policy and politics. And, and I wanted to actually ask you about that. I'm just curious, um, you know, from that perspective, you know, I'm curious. You know what you see as the government's role in all of this. You know, both in the AI ecosystem in general, particularly with respect to education and and helping create these kinds of um, uh, programs and, and 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 changes that will allow younger people and a broader diversity of people to um, find opportunity in in this you know new era that we're that we're entering.
2: Yeah, so. So the government has, you know, can do a lot, and also is quite limited. Um, it's very federated, so so states have, you know, quite a lot of autonomy in terms of their education policy, um, and even within states, you know, we've talked to a lot of, you know, departments of education where they will tell us, well, you know, we don't like to tell schools, or we can't tell schools what to teach, and so you can imagine, you know, that's not the case in every state, but it's the case in many states. Um, and then, of course, the federal government has a lot of other challenges and considerations when they're d- developing policy. So, in some cases, there's actually a huge role for civil society um, and, and actually individual educators to play in this, uh, because we simply, if we if if we think the answer is that government needs to sort of mandate this transformation in of education, um, it will take us two decades to get there. So, there's a role in civil society actually creating. Um, uh, pilots and proofs of concept that are scalable and that can be adopted by um, state and federal governments. Um, but you can, you know, you could look at, you know, President Obama had educate to innovate, which was by many accounts wildly successful um, in advancing computer science education and STEM education across the country. Um, code.org and really a whole host of other nonprofits like CS for all um, and girls who code and, and many others you know, really pioneered CS education and put that sort of front and center um, as something that many states and almost every state we talk to now will, will mention their work around CS education. Um, but we've been at it for, what, 10 years trying to advance CS education. And in California, if you graduate today uh, from high school, there's only a 5% chance that you completed a computer science class. And that's in California. So you can imagine other states are, are worse. Um, so it's, it's actually really hard. Um, so I, I think like the what, what makes the, the, the non-STEM or non-CS approach so important is it's much more accessible to students. And so it's a, a, a state or a federal government program would be a lot more successful if they don't have to train thousands or hundreds of thousands of teachers to deploy curriculum. Um, so I think looking for a low-hanging fruit like that is probably the first recommendation. And then um, you know I think the second piece is that every state and I know the federal government is the case, but every state should have very detailed and thoughtful strategies for not just workforce transformation, but the integration of that and K-12 education specifically, because it's not, I think people take for granted that, that that thinking is as advanced as it as it is. And in some states it's very advanced, and in others it's they're working on it.
0: Are there certain states you think of as models? Obviously, I'm sure Ohio is after all the uh, input you've put there personally, but are there other states that we can look to? Uh, as examples of what, what what we're wanting to see,
2: yeah. So a surprising example would be Nebraska, um, and they you know they they call themselves Silicon Prairie, um, and, and there is actually you know a tech uh, sort of emergence happening in the state. But but beyond just that, I mean, they their um, career and technical education team at the Nebraska Department of Education has a very sophisticated. Strategy for workforce transformation, and they have, you know, a series of models, um, and they, that they shared with us, and it shows that they're really thinking about, you know, industry by industry, and even job by job, all the different pathways to those careers, you know, how to to put more students on those pathways, um, and are sort of very aggressively piloting um, new programs at this high school level to figure out how they can whether they can be impactful, like as part of those models. Um, so in some cases, it's like you don't have to teach AI to do this right, um, and a lot of the, the 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 job creation and job dislocation that happens from AI doesn't necessarily mean that students need to be AI experts to navigate that. Some some of it might might be as simple as instead of becoming a truck driver, um, you know, plumbing uh, is actually a much more resilient career and probably won't use any AI really. I mean, maybe in customer service a bit um, or or in sort of machine vision, uh, but. But part of it is just, it's, you know, plumbing is a much more resilient career path. Um, And that's the kind of communication information that states are today in a position to to share with students. Um, And I should say about Ohio, what's interesting about Ohio uh, is it's a completely red state. I mean, every part of government is run by Republicans. Um, It's, you know, and yet innovation is a sort of uh, uh, a bipartisan issue. And I think when we think of, when we try to think about what are some of the ways that President Biden can actually engage with um, voters on the other side, I think innovation and education and workforce transformation could be one of those issues where he can build bridges with red states and actually support those efforts and and amplify those efforts. And and I also like the Ohio example and the Nebraska example because it shows that this doesn't have to be led by Silicon Valley. you know, we, we're not—we don't have to wait around for, you know, tech, the technology sector to fix this problem. Um, and in fact, I think the technology companies themselves would prefer to not be <laughs> beholden to be the ones to fix to, to, to address it themselves. Um, so, so yeah.
1: Yeah, there's really, really a lot there, um, and, and a very interesting example from from Nebraska. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious. Um, you know, this is a very ambitious. Um, Project and 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 you've already had a lot of successes. I'm curious what barriers you've encountered and 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 kind of what you see as as the challenges that we need to collectively move through uh, in the coming years to be able to really achieve the kind of vision that um, you and your colleagues have have set out.
2: So surprisingly, I would I would actually say awareness is one of the biggest challenges. Um, you know, like programmatically, teachers have been have received us with open arms. Um, we're doing a a meeting next month where we invited, you know, we invited a bunch of superintendents and principals on the off chance that they might be interested in learning more about artificial intelligence. And I think we have like over 200 now RSVP'd as of this morning. And, and these are all like senior superintendents who run their own districts. Um, and, and I think that just goes to show like the educators actually are raising their hands. Um, but among the funders, you know, especially among companies that we talk to, there's just a lot of companies that haven't really thought about workforce transformation holistically, um, and and also that haven't made the connection between workforce transformation and equity, um, because a lot of times the equity conversation is is a separate discussion, and there are there are a lot of companies that do invest in uh, equity, um, but it, there's actually a very small overlap in terms of people who understand the ways that education relates to the the issue of, for example, bias in artificial intelligence in the AI sector. Um, and I know, Miriam, that's one of the areas that you and I sort of, I think, share this common ground is like there's a lot of, again, a lot of value in nonprofits kind of pushing the corporate sector on this and really like pointing their attention to, because it's not that there's a lack of philanthropic money. The, the money is there. The companies are are looking to spend it. Um, but I think there's some important work to be done to just make sure that that leaders are aware of like the scope of the challenge and some of the different sort of innovative ways to address it um, And you know, as we look forward.
0: Alex, you've raised so many important points here today, demystifying really who needs to be solving this problem. It sounds like there's a role for most all of us in addressing uh, better AI education, better AI awareness, um, better AI uh, preparedness by all of our society, and also helping us think through how students, which students should and can be participating, and it sounds like it's many more than is often thought of, not just those who are attracted to math or STEM. Um, and the really interesting point that teachers are embracing it. Who you're working, who you're working with. So it sounds like there's not only a real need, but so many uh, directions that are pointing in favor of our better adoption of AI and AI education. So I'm really grateful you're working on this effort and sharing so many of your insights. One thing we like to ask our guests before we close out is uh, just to crystallize in a few words what they're thinking about AI. And we do that through thinking of the the bud, the thorn and the rose. So your rose is what you're excited about. Your thorn is what you're fearful of and your, I think I messed that up. Your rose is what you're excited about. Your thorn is what you're fearful of and your bud is what you're looking forward to in AI development.
2: Okay. so. Um, I'll start with the thorn, Uh, and so at the the risk of repeating myself, you know, I think the the thorn is just um, AI is so good at uh, predicting our behavior that I think, you know, in short time, it's going to be apparent, like, the scope of how many behaviors and and tasks it can actually replace, and I think people, when they realize that, are are going to become quite worried. Um, and perhaps rightfully so, I think the, the 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 rose is the fact that we can really deploy that power to very big problems in society and 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 use it as a tool to help address them. Climate change being a you know a really prevalent example, an important one. Um, and I think the bud is the the fact that not just the United States, but even different communities in the United States have the opportunity. You know, we are in the midst of a fourth industrial revolution, and industrial revolutions in the past have have really rebalanced um, centers of gravity economically. And I think for parts of the country that have been, you know to date left behind, even even during the coronavirus pandemic, we realized that there is an opportunity for you know communities to actually rebrand themselves as centers of innovation and innovative thinking. Um, and there's no reason that you need to be in San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco, but you don't need to be here uh, to be changing the world. And I think that's that's potentially a game changer for so many people who maybe didn't realize that they could be a part of it.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, a lot of food for thought there. And um, we really appreciate your, your being with us today.
0: Thank you, Alex. This is great. Thanks for having me. Well, Mark, I'm so glad we heard Alex's perspective on how we can be better engaging students and teachers and policymakers in leading this effort to create a more AI-ready society.
1: I thought that was terrific. I think Alex brought a really different and new perspective to our podcast. He has been working at this really granular level with school districts, with superintendents, not just in the typical places like San Francisco or D.C., but in places like Ohio and Nebraska. And he really just, I thought, had a lot of thoughtful um, thoughtful observations and, and, and experiences to share.
0: Yeah, it's really important. He opens our aperture on who should be participating in AI, which is most all of us uh, who can, again, most all of us. It doesn't have to be people who have a STEM background. It, he, he's found so many students are taking to this from different perspectives uh, and so many of us have a role to play. So I really appreciate how he demystified AI for us and our listeners.
1: Absolutely. I, I felt the same way. And I thought it was really cool that he's focused on educating the educators. Uh, so, you know, uh, education is going to be and already is so important to making sure that we do have an AI ready society and that a broad, diverse set of, of the public can really participate actively in the AI discussion and ecosystem. And, and I just thought it was great that he's, you know, talking to audiences that are usually not particularly um, involved in the, in the conversation. It just feels like really important work that, that, that we need to see more of.
0: Absolutely. And the point that he raises that this is an opportunity to have a bipartisan effort and an opportunity to lead on innovation and AI. Uh, so I hope some of our listeners will put that to good
1: use. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot that, um, a lot that we can all take away from that conversation. Can't wait for the next one.